When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Harris Jackson with time. Puts it up deep. He's got a man wide open. And Williamson dropped it. Troy Williamson dropped it. He was 10 yards ahead of the field. Oh. They will. And Cousins will fire, and that is incomplete. Lattimore breaks it up, intended for Treadwell. And welcome to Purple Daily. Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill, of course, the all-new Score North, scorenorth.com, AM1500. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Twitch right now. I believe we're on all the platforms, Collar, including uh, Twitter as well. Uh, of all the plays that we talked about that were disastrous for the offense last year, yep. the one that I think I've referenced most is throwing it backwards to Latavius Murray. But there was also another throw backwards fumble that the Vikings didn't realize was a fumble right away. There were pick sixes. There were fumbles returned for touchdown. All of those we talked about all the time ad nauseum. And the pick six against the New Orleans Saints was another one that we discussed uh, endlessly. Mm-hmm. But that play right there might have been the worst play of the season. And the one that swung the season the wrong way is when... Kirk Cousins targeted Laquan Treadwell on a fourth down when he could have thrown it underneath to someone open for an easy first down and instead went into Marshawn Lattimore's coverage against Laquan Treadwell on fourth down. And it went incomplete, gave Drew Brees the ball. They went down and scored, and that game was over from that point. And I remember looking at the win probabilities that that play right there swung the game like something like 40% win probability swing from being about a 50-50 split at that point to Mike Zimmer panicking to go for it on fourth down yep. and then the quarterback targeting the worst wide receiver maybe in the NFL All this right, year. But I got a very fair question for you that certainly does not absolve Kirk of blame here, but it does spread the guilt out a bit, and that's this. If you are the Vikings, if you are Zimmer, if you are Spielman, if you're anyone who has any power with that team, you got your lesson on Treadwell and what Cousins was going to do with Treadwell in Week 2 at Green Bay, and we both saw it. We were both there for that. He threw him a touchdown pass, the one and only touchdown to Treadwell's career, receiving at this point, but he also threw him a pass, I believe, in the extra session 
that Laquan Treadwell uh, futilely tipped, basically. It uh-huh. was almost picked off. All Treadwell's fault. But again, what that told you was that was a clear indication that if you play Laquan Treadwell, Kirk Cousins is going to try to throw him the ball. So while I'm with you, and that was a terrible play, and that was a terrible decision by Cousins, the Vikings knew full well what the ramifications were going to be if Treadwell was playing, that Kirk Cousins was going to look for him. So I spread the guilt out here, too, because week two, after week two, you had to say to yourself, we, we can't, uh-uh, can't do this, because that quarterback's going to look for who he's assigned to look for, and all hell could break loose. Two years in a row, the Vikings got fooled by training camps. Last year, Laquan Treadwell was really good in training camp, and they decided to cut Kendall Wright. And I'm not saying Kendall Wright was ever a fit or was good at all, but the guys that they decided to keep behind Laquan Treadwell were not very experienced. So they got rid of Tavares King, they got rid of Kendall Wright, and they had your Chad Beebe, I believe, made the practice squad initially. Brandon Zilstra made the team. It wasn't like... There was any sort of contingency plan if Laquan Treadwell looked the same as he had the two years before, and they were left with just that, just Laquan Treadwell, and what are you going to play, Brandon Zilstra, who's never played in the NFL before, and I'm sure there's a reason why he didn't beat out Laquan Treadwell in training camp, because he wasn't really all that impressive in camp anyway, but you would also put the blame on John Filippo here. In terms of his errors from last year, of which there were many, uh, that might be one of the biggest ones. Continuing to roll out three wide receiver sets with Laquan Treadwell. And I was looking up Treadwell's um, snap counts last night, because why wouldn't you? And Because I was at the Twins game, actually. It's really stunning. Great game. Watching Jonathan go Babe Ruth. He hit that ball insanely far. Played the role of Sandy Koufax. Um, At least we could say this about football, that they don't rig the football they do rig the rules, but they don't yeah, rig the football. Say, they rig, okay, they rig the rules. They That's don't rig true. the football, so it travels faster. Okay, never mind. I take it back. You're <laughs> well, not supposed Manny's to rig right. the football. So uh, look at these, yeah, sna- the, but these snap counts. <laughs> yeah, some of them are crazy. Uh, when they played uh, Detroit, 83 percent of the snaps. When they played the New York Jets, 73 percent of the snaps. This is for someone who I looked up just before the show mm-hmm. in terms of yards per catch. Out of 108 wide receivers who had at least 30 targets last year, Laquan Treadwell in yards per catch was 105th. And he doesn't like run after the catch, it's, isn't a playmaker. It's impressively bad, yes. It is impressively bad. And yet, the offensive coordinator <clears throat> was running him out there for 60% of snaps, 70% of snaps, 80% of snaps. And as soon as Kevin Stefanski took over, he was benched for a game, played 31 and 24% of snaps which I think is about the most you can ever use Laquan Treadwell. But what's crazy to me, Judd, is that there's really no answer outside of Irv Smith for the Laquan Treadwell issue. You know what frustrates me about this? Because it's a common sense. Here's what, here's, I think, the most maddening thing to me about sports and sports teams and decisions that are made. If they could have come to you and asked you what to do, and you could have unequivocally, this is not second-guessing, unequivocally at that moment told them, here's what you do, and they don't do it. It drives me crazy. And I got one name written down, and he didn't play a snap for for the Vikings in 2018. In fact, he was nowhere near Egan or downtown during games. I know who you're going to say. That name's Jarius Wright. Yep. Jarius Wright was the, he was the cousins, I'm going to throw you the ball, and and Jarius Wright was the, I'm not going to screw it up guy. He wasn't dynamic. He wasn't a Pro Bowl player, but you know what he did? 
in 2017, right, when he was throwing the ball, and we saw this, and, and we used to talk about this in the press box and say for as little as that guy plays, which we both didn't get, if he's given a chance every time, he doesn't do what? He doesn't screw up. Right. So he, so the, it's incredibly frustrating to me. Who didn't say to themselves, you know what? This guy's pretty doggone good at what we ask him to do. And when you talk about first guesses, I remember writing an article, the Vikings might miss Jarius Wright more than they think. They thought that they could cut him and then bring him back on a cheaper contract. And usually if you cut a player, Tom Johnson did this to Seattle last year. If you cut me, I'm going to go find somewhere else to play because that says that you don't care enough to keep me around. And Jarius last year with Carolina, 43 catches on 57 targets. So Cam Newton had a 75% completion percentage when throwing to Jarius Wright. And no surprise, he averaged more yards per catch than Laquan Treadwell by a pretty wide margin. And I think that's where the second guessing will still come in this year. And I I was talking about this a little bit yesterday uh, in the afternoon about the excuses or no excuses for Kirk Cousins. If it doesn't work out... um, is it entirely on him? And I still say that we could be in a situation where we're talking about how it wasn't all Kirk Cousins' fault. I don't think the pass protection is that much better than it was last year right now. And if Irv Smith isn't great right away, he isn't that player who could play a bunch of different positions or whatever else or needs more development, then who are you left with? I've gotten tweets about Dylan Mitchell, Ola B.C. Johnson. Let's see if they even make the roster. I mean, Dylan Mitchell, you go to his scouting report and it says the guy doesn't like to work at it. <laughs> like, okay. Well, well I'm I mean, not going to pencil him again, in as number does? three then. I know he had some decent stats at Oregon, but the same issues were with Stacey Coley when he came out of but Miami. Treadwell, but, but let's just say, for the sake of this conversation right now, Matthew Collar, let's just say the system and scheme works well. And let's say it fits Cousins perfectly. And, and so he thrives as much as he possibly can, which is not going to be to be a great QB. But it can be a productive QB. Here's the issue with the Treadwell conversation and guys like Laquan Treadwell. He's not a good player. He's a negative player. I don't see any way you're going to turn him. If this scheme works perfectly, I don't see how he fits. He's not going to all of a sudden catch the ball. He can't run. You told me this in his rookie year, and and I believe the head coach brought this up, and it, I think, remains true. Laquan works very hard at what he's already good at which some guys do, which for the life of me, I guess I get, but it's it seems weird. But Laquan works very hard at things that he can do. He doesn't work on things that he can't improve. And so how does a guy like that all of a sudden, unless there is a come-to-Jesus season of some sort that I don't see coming, how does a guy like Laquan Treadwell change? And my answer is he probably doesn't. He's a negative player. He doesn't change. And I think that they got fooled twice by him because he had really good training camps. And uh, the one training camp, he got dinged up a little bit, but for the most part had played really well. On the play that he got hurt in 2017 camp, it was making an amazing catch over Anton Exum. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, he made an incredible catch in the back of the end zone. And then last year, there wasn't anybody close to Laquan Treadwell, aside from Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, it was a big story that he and Kirk Cousins had this great chemistry, and it just tells you a lot about training camp practices and uh, what they teach us you know, about someone like Laquan Treadwell, who was a first-round talent. But when the games actually start, opening day, 
against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. At one point, Kyle Rudolph is throwing his arms in the air because Laquan Treadwell is running the wrong route. And at that moment, they should have been been aware that, okay, no matter how good this guy does in training camp practices, this just isn't going to work. But there's two things that come to mind off that that I don't get and that, that Spielman is as culpable as anybody for, and it's this. You drafted, and this guy was a superior superior athlete, Cordero Patterson, though. Cordero Patterson was another guy that couldn't run routes. And listen, if a guy's three years in and he can't run routes, guess what? He ain't ever going to run routes well. He just does, Some people, they either don't get it, don't care. The other thing is, how many training camps has Spielman been in charge for? And Matthew, we have sat there and talked about a training camp practice where a guy looks great. I remember Scoggins and I once changed the story in the Star Tribune because Chris Cook, a cornerback who ended up being awful, had, I think, three picks in a training camp practice and looked great. I can't tell you the amount of players that I've seen have training camp practices where you say to yourself, wow. Michael Floyd. But you know what happens? It takes about two of those, and then we, in our jobs, say, okay, that was great. It means nothing. Yeah. Like the first time you are, you, you're impressed. The second time you might be impressed, but by the third time. So how on earth do the Vikings get fooled by Treadwell? Now, if this was his second year, then I sort of get it. But when we're, you're talking deeper into his career, which I think last year was training camp three, right? It was. Okay. It means nothing. I think Zero. they believed that he did have some type of chemistry with Kirk Cousins. And that might be why Kirk Cousins kept throwing in his direction during the season. And I just pulled this up, too. I I feel like every time you get done talking, I want to have another great Laquan Treadwell stat. Pro Football Focus grades. I'm enjoying it, quite frankly. Pro Football Focus grades. 1 to 100 grades. There are. I want you to guess how many wide receivers last year received lower grades than Laquan Treadwell in the NFL out of 108. Oh, when Mackie does this, it's impressively close to the 108, so I'm going to say five. <laughs> Two. James Washington from Pittsburgh and another bus, John Ross from Cincinnati. So he's Wiggy, basically. They, they, yep, they were the only lower-graded wide receivers than Laquan Treadwell. Kelvin Benjamin, who's a laughingstock now, was graded slightly higher and actually averaged 15 yards a catch, even though he only had 23 catches. But that tells you how bad it really was. Last season, and to throw to him forty-seven times is kind of nuts. And it does it, it does point the finger at Kirk Cousins as well as Laquan Treadwell to throw it to him forty-seven times. It does point the finger at John Filippo for dialing up plays that include Laquan Treadwell when he's like this. I, I think the question that I come back to now, though, is we're solidified in this certainty that it did not work out and it's not going to work out. And I don't see a path, unlike with Cordero Patterson, where you could see a path where he could be an effective NFL player. I don't see a path here with Laquan Treadwell. So the question is, should we go back and look at the Vikings' decision to draft him and say, how did you miss blank? Because I've read all of the reviews of that draft, as you have. You read some on your show yesterday. And I've looked over and over at different scouting reports. One of the guys I really love from Yahoo Sports, Matt Harmon, who studies wide receivers analytically, tracks every route that they run and their success rate. And he's done great work on Stefan Diggs' man-to-man coverage and why he's so excellent. He did a write-up on Laquan Treadwell before that draft 
talking about how effective the guy was yeah. and how that four six forty didn't mean a whole lot and it and hasn't meant a lot for some other and star I bought wide that. receivers at the time. By the way, I did buy all that. But all the studies that everybody seemed to do on this guy was that he was a dominant wide receiver, and that's where I get to the point of I'm not sure that I can completely go back and hammer the Vikings for picking him because at the time it seemed like they really needed this kind of wide receiver. You know, I had a couple of drops, but overall I had a great year, you know. Yeah, he did say that. I, oh, I love that point. In fact, let's come back and talk about that. Because with all of the millions of dollars that go into scouting and mental gymnastics and all that, let's come back and talk about how much fault goes into when you swing and miss that badly. It's Purple Daily here on Score North. It's Purple Daily on Score North. On third down, it's Cousins firing complete touchdown, Raquan Treadwell. Purple Daily, Score North, the all-new Score North AM 1500, Zolgad, Collar, Manny Hill. And if you are saying to yourself, why the hell are you guys talking about Laquan flipping Treadwell? Well, the Vikings decided they announced yesterday officially, and I think today it was the deadline, not to pick up the fifth-year option on his contract. I want to get back, Collar, to what you brought up going into break, because I think this discussion is is so intriguing and interesting. And that's the discussion of a guy like Treadwell and how much blame a team should get for missing. And there's definite blame there, because when you think about this, you scout these kids constantly. You basically, you do background checks, right? You go to the combine, you sit down, you, you clear out a room at the Holiday Inn in Indianapolis, 15-minute sit-down. You talk to them if they're seniors at the Senior Bowl. You hire people. You bring in psychologists and people to give to go put these kids through mental gymnastics. So I'm going to ask you this question, or give you this statement and ask you this question and have you go from there. Where I fault the Vikings, and where I don't fault myself one bit for buying into Treadwell, is it's not my job to know that he can't run routes. After you have the Cordero Patterson swing and a miss as far as his abilities at receiver. And he was, by the way, a productive player. How do you miss that, though? How do you miss the fact that Laquan Treadwell, in the end, simply can't run routes? I I think that the difference between running routes in college and running your routes in the NFL and understanding a route tree and the adjustments that you're supposed to make based on the defense and all the things that go into it are so complex in comparison that you can't know a lot of things about how someone's going to translate from college to the NFL because looking at all the route running thing, looking at all the evidence going into um, this, uh, his, his draft year, mm-hmm. I watched a game last night, just one of his games that I pulled up on YouTube where they clip it up and show you only the plays involving Laquan Treadwell. And he was able to create some separation. And his routes were great. And he used his body extremely effectively to shield off defenders. So at one point, you know Tredavious White from the Bills. Mm -hmm. Top draft pick, great cornerback. I was watching the game against him. And at one point, he really effectively uses his body to go up and get a ball over Tredavious White. And if you're watching that, and you know that that cornerback is a top guy, you're saying... Gosh, that's impressive. And then I'm looking at Matt Harmon's work uh, from Yahoo Sports on routes and things like that. I mean, wow. Like, he, he, it's all good. It's, it says his route tree 
is pretty deep and he's effective and all those things. But the nuance to the NFL game is just a lot different. You remember that game against the Dallas Cowboys where uh, Sam Bradford threw a ball to him on a comeback at eight yards and he ran nine yards and it was an incompletion. They had to kick a field goal. The, the details are so specific at the NFL level, and this is why it's almost hard to comprehend how insanely good Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are at football because they can do everything. Some guys have a route tree that's you know d- decent size. They can do every route anytime you want, line up anywhere you want. It's really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge there with Laquan Treadwell is he looks like a good route runner. So that's when you say... Well, he, he, he hasn't been a good route runner, and you shouldn't miss on that. But in college, he did look like that. So I, I kind of went through a list of things that you can when you can second-guess with the draft. When the consensus draft boards from all these different guys, from Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, across PFF, all of them, when they all say that someone should be drafted way lower and you pick them higher. I think, as media, we could criticize that if it doesn't work out. Like, look, all the outsiders even saw this. Uh, I would say this with Treadwell. You could probably criticize the physical attributes because so few players with these physical attributes, not just a 40 time, but his vertical jump was not good. His broad jump was not good. His three cone was not good. His 20 yard shuttle was not good. And his bench press was not good. There's a website that compares athletic scores from the combine to size to create a one through 10 score. He got a four and I was scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down, trying to find anybody who was lower than that. There's a couple Chad Johnson, unbelievable all-time great route runner. Calvin Benjamin has kind of been a bust. You know, it's, they're just hard to find. That is the one area where I would say, yes, you can criticize the pick. I don't think on his college performance you can, or his tape. I think, if you said if you talked yourself out of the athletic issues, that's where you could question it. But the route running issues, you do so much background. You talk to people that know the kid. You talk there. There's nobody that can flag that. And 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 all right. So not to rip the Vikings for this, but to help them problem solving. What can be learned here? What can you What can you learn? What can they sit down? Because they pay people a lot of of money to make sure that this does not happen. So if you're sitting down now and you're Spielman and his staff and you're saying, okay, the 2016 draft first round pick definitely did not work out. What can you now learn as far as, as things that you did not know or did not foresee? I'm not sure other than or what's the next step that they could have taken that maybe they didn't. I don't know. Other than when you go so far outside the box on someone with their physical skills, it better be in the second or third round. If it's in the first round, this is going to make you look bad. Now, DK Metcalf is a great example. People think DK Metcalf is like the all-time greatest um, NFL Combine guy because he's so huge. And he's got really good athletic scores overall. But when you look at some of the quickness drills, he struggled. And those are red flags. When somebody is so poor at just being quick, I mean, that's a huge part of being a wide receiver in the NFL, right? I think that's one of the reasons he dropped. Everyone was blown away by the 40 but you don't just run straight routes all the time. But we've seen that, too. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. blame any team that didn't draft that kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, how, how many the of these round, kids? In the sure. second round, it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense to do that. And when you look at his score, it's really wild, his scores. Like, he's in the 97th percentile of everything, 
40 yard dash, vertical jump, broad jump, and then the second percentile in three cones. So the guy is just not quick at all. He's just super beefy and super fast and maybe an underpants hero. But if this, if he goes bust, no one is going to criticize the Seattle Seahawks. The same thing. No, it's a good pick now. Right. The same thing would have been with Laquan Treadwell is if the Vikings picked him in the second round, then you would have said, okay, well, who cares if he doesn't work out because he's slow? Correct. It's worth the risk because he does have that great production at Ole Miss. The fact that your first round pick just puts you in the white hot light for media to talk about this player forever for fans to know who the guy is and for us to focus on every detail of his development or non-development. And uh, the one area, though, I would say that you could criticize also that isn't the physical part of it, Mm -hmm. because I could see the debate there. I could see the scouts saying, do you see this guy on tape? He's just dominating. And he was 82 catches in 13 games, 14 touchdowns. His quarterback wasn't all that great. Chad Kelly was a seventh-round pick. It wasn't like he was just dominating because his quarterback was so good. The personality stuff is something that I think the Vikings care about quite a bit. And Laquan Treadwell has a drive and a motivation and a work ethic that are outstanding. But the clip that Manny played shows you the self-awareness issue is very severe which goes back which also goes back to working on things he's already good at correct listening to your coaches when your head coach calls you out at the combine and says stop running stadium steps stop right. playing with the jugs machine after practice and guess what you're doing the next year after practice laying on the ground having the jugs machine shoot footballs at you <laughs> we're standing out there as reporters going Someone could someone tell him to stop? Like the head coach already told him but to we've stop. Seen, but Why we've is seen he this, doing this? But we've seen this before from guys. That's a we, big part. We've of seen it. this before from guys, and they they legitimately don't get it. They don't get what's going to make them improve. Because you see guys who do. That's the thing is, as reporters, we get examples on both sides every oh, yeah. day. Oh yeah. And when you see the guys that apply themselves, and basically they don't, the greats don't work hard for the sake of working. They work hard for the sake of taking areas of weakness and getting better. Yep. And if you continue to work on, you can go catch a thousand footballs, but guess what? If that's not your problem, it's not going to help you. And did the Vikings know that he was going to be this way when they drafted him? How would you? You would be impressed, really impressed by his work ethic, by the fact that he came back from that horrific injury. I'm I'm curious about the routes, and I'm curious if you could have found out more because you're you're right about the college thing. The college game, the college scouting is not going to give you that answer every time. Uh, the other thing is where I start to blame the Vikings, though, is by year three, not to have said this is not working. We can't do this, and Cousins can't okay, have this. Yes, 100 as an 100. After Green Bay in Week Two last year, we had all seen enough. I'm looking for the sentence in the piece that Matt Harmon wrote, who is a guy that I really trust on wide receivers, where he was... I've, I've got the article, but I'm just looking for a line that really encapsulates it. But he's got analytics on every route. Like, I'm showing... I'm turning this around to show you oh, yeah. and our uh, video audience there. Oh, there you go. That he's got data on every one of these routes. Comeback routes, corner routes, nine routes, post routes, and the percentage of success for Laquan Treadwell. And he's pretty dominant in college on every one of those routes. So I say if we had people on the outside watching his tape, studying his routes, and finding that they were really good, 
and that would match up with what the Vikings thought. And I would not say that you could pin that on the Vikings that he didn't become a good route runner in the NFL. His position coach in college told me that he struggled with route depths. But if you're a coaching staff, does that turn you away from somebody at the 18th pick? Yes, after I drafted Cordell Patterson, absolutely. After now, after seeing it. Yes, but it at does. the time, it's a big deal. Can we, you know, change okay? But you said it yourself. Bit, you know, you said it yourself. If you're playing on a Saturday night in the SEC and it's an eight-yard route and you run nine yards, you know what? I forgive you, yeah. and I just completed the pass. Oh, and the ball, the NFL, and the ball doesn't get there fast enough, so you're going to be able to it's have picked some time. Off. It's yeah. picked off, yep. or it's dropped, yep. or something happens. So yes, if a, that's that's my, I guess, frustration about all the work that these teams do and all the time they put in, is there are some flaws that you at least, in retrospect, have to say, how did we miss that? How did we not see that? But but that's that's frustrating and too bad. Play continuing to play him last year was malpractice. See, I, of course it was. Yeah, there's so no there's question. two different things there's, there. Yeah, there's no question that continuing to play him think, after you had two full years with yes. the guy to know he couldn't do it, getting fooled by training camp. That's something that's supposed to happen to us. We're supposed to get fooled by training camp. We're supposed to write fluffy stories about how the guys figured it out in training camp and preseason, and the team is supposed to go, <laughs> oh, media, they're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about with this guy. He's actually not good. That's what's supposed to happen, not the other way around, where we're saying last year, okay, Treadwell's great in training camp, but come on, is anybody really buying this? Right. The, the, and unfortunately, Kirk Cousins did. The personality issue with him, where he just doesn't seem to get it, I wouldn't I don't, I don't know Laquan well enough to be able to say it's whether he's a smart guy or not. So only take this from the perspective of football smarts, being able to develop smarts. He's really, really low on the list of players that I've ever been around for taking what you're told to do and applying it and to make, make these steps in areas where you are short. And he came into his second training camp and had this big, long thing about how he was finally going to learn to run routes with the details like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen to become a route technician. And he went on this uh, diatribe about how he had never been taught how to run routes before and he just dominated with his physical skills in high school and college. You're a year into the NFL. You don't just learn that today. That's a lifelong thing. But I go through the players who have success on this team, Adam Thielen, I mean, just an incredibly bright guy. Stefan Diggs, really, really smart person. Yeah. Delvin Cook, really smart. Kyle Rudolph, really smart. In or- Latavius Murray, one of the smartest guys I've been around. Like This is a sixth-round pick who overachieved. I mean, that's what it usually takes is the combination of enough physical gifts and then the self-awareness, the intelligence, being able to apply coaching, all that stuff. I think he's got the drive but he's very much short in those other areas. And I don't know how you sit in a room with him at the Combine for a half an hour and figure out that when Mike Zimmer calls him out, he's not going to respond to that. When's the last time that you covered a player who started off really poorly, just wasn't good, and and Mm. potentially had the abilities but was not good, but then the next year told you, I got it now. I, I I'm working on it. I got it, and and that all came true. Now I'm not talking about Diggs or Thielen talking about their techniques, sure, because those guys get it and they're trying to hone it constantly. But I'm trying to think of, and I've I've had this conversation with a lot of players. I'm trying to think of the last player who's like, you know what, Judd, in year two, I've got this now. Mm-hmm. I got it because they say that, 
and I'm hard pressed to think of the amount of guys who have then gone out and actually done what they said they were going to do. Yeah, um, it doesn't happen much. You know who I I would point to at this moment would be Mackenzie Alexander, where he came out and said, I think it was maybe both of the last two training camps. Last Espe- training camp, you said he was really es- yeah. exposed that, especially last year. Yep. He had a long talk. This is a funny thing about Mackenzie Alexander. The guy will be quiet and won't talk to anyone for months on end and then just all of a sudden decide he's going to talk. And another guy who you're wowed by his intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I could see what they would have loved about him, that he had all these boxes that he would have checked at the draft where he's competitive and he's got an edge to him and he's very, very smart. His problem was he was just beef-headed or or, or, bullheaded. Sorry, not beef-headed. Bullheaded. Yeah, he he was just... um, he just didn't want to play inside cornerback and they struggled with that and they battled with him to be able to do it. But he said last year, he finally bought in. And of course I rolled my eyes a little bit too at the time when he was talking about it. Of, right. Oh, now I'm really paying attention to what Terrence Newman says. Now I'm really paying attention to Zimmer. And we all question that anytime you hear it after two years that haven't gone well. And by the second half of the season, he was really good the whole rest of the year. And I would expect that he should be solid this year. That's the one guy I would point to that had that type of conversation. It wasn't working out. It wasn't working out. And it was clear that there was this major issue with him that he didn't want to take coaching. And all of a sudden he realized, well, if I don't take coaching, then I'm going to be donezo in this entire league. Because also everybody talks to everybody. And if they know that you're not coachable, Unless you're a star and you're not coachable, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably going to be out of the NFL. That's the one guy I could think of. It is very rare. And that's a tough move, too. Now, because going from outside corner to inside is incredibly not tough. Not easy. I guess I'm talking about a guy who is not good at his position, his natural position. Right. And still and tells you, well, in year two, now I've, yeah. got, I've, found, I've found all solutions. Yep. And the amount of times that, that I've heard that. Versus the amount of times that that player then goes out and is actually good. This thing reminds me of TJ Clemmings, where it was always... Yes, that's a good one. Oh, well, if he only had this, if he only had that... And they moved him from right to left tackle, which was, again, on them. If he was only a guard, that was the third year of training camp. See, he should have been a guard all along. No, he really shouldn't have been anything all along. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. But that would be an area, too, where I would look at the Vikings and say... Hmm, you know, sometimes you guys stick with players way longer than you should. And I don't blame any organization that does this. You saw something with your scouts. But to your point, how often does it actually work out after you know it isn't going well? It's pretty rare. So deciding to bring back TJ Clemmings as a potential option at left tackle in 2016, how does that happen after 2015? Well, yeah, and and moving the poor kid from right tackle where he wasn't great to start with, but at least I thought he sort of got it to left tackle where he was just helpless, Yep, was completely unfair to him. And, and they have done things like that that leave you completely baffled. Uh-huh. Remmers. I mean, he was a veteran, but moving him from right tackle where he was a very serviceable, I thought, not a Pro Bowl player, but he wasn't a disaster to guard. And then in the playoffs... Two years ago, left guard, where he had no big... Yep. I had as much business starting at left guard in those games as he did. So that's the type of stuff that, that's unfair to the player. But the thing with Treadwell is is 
to circle back to what you're saying is as a team, when do you just get it that it's not not going to work? And then if nothing else, pull the plug on playing time. Mm-hmm. At least Stefanski benched him in Trevor's case. How much of it, too, is just because he was a first-round pick and they didn't want to – they wanted to try and milk every opportunity they possibly could out of him because he was a first-round pick. I mean, it's easier to – I guess it's easier to cut bait with somebody or, you know, pull the plug on somebody after two years if he's this bad and he's a third or fourth round pick. But how much of him being a first round pick made them feel like, well, he's a first round pick and we, you know, we, we got to we got to keep investing in him and keep giving him opportunities and keep giving him chances. I think what it, what it was in this case is they knew after the second year that this wasn't working mm-hmm. and they brought in Ken, uh, Kendall Wright. To be that number three wide receiver. And then Laquan had a great camp. Exactly. Kendall Wright was awful. I was going to say, and he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't he, good either. No, he couldn't That's play That's where at Jarius all. Wright should have still the, been here. He was one of their worst wide receivers in training and, camp. And maybe the guy gets in games and could ball, or maybe he just got a bunch of catches Matthew, with Chicago they have done that. they were bad. They've done the same thing before. They in, they invariably bring in, it seems like, one guy at training camp. And, and I always sign this guy. Is oh, gonna, yeah. Dayton Jones. Yeah. Well, who who's the guy? But I think it was before you, you got here a few years back. They brought in another same exact story, a receiver. I want to say he'd been with Cleveland or the Giants. And I watched him for one day, and I thought, what are you doing? Like why? Why are you wasting your time? Uh-huh. And you can predict that that guy is going to be a probably a first cut. Sure, yeah. And that with Kendall Wright was not a surprise at all when he couldn't even get the first team reps in OTAs and minicamp. This guy is clearly not picking up on whatever you're asking him to do with the playbook. That was played a role because Treadwell was just so much better. I can't tell you how good he was in camp. It was phenomenal. But, but you saw, you had to see it and think this is fool's goal. Uh, oh, I did. Yes. No, but if you thought but, that, but if you go this into is, this is my point. if you go into camp with a couple veterans you brought in, Tavares yeah. King and Kendall Wright, and Laquan Treadwell outplays them by fifty miles in the preseason, what are you going to do now? Continuing to after week two, continuing to play him was unconscionable. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I've got Adam Thielen. I've got Stefan Diggs. I've got a really good start. Here's what I want at that position. Somebody I know when I go to training camp, when I put my head on the pillow at night, when I start the season is going to be reliable. Like, I don't need a lot from you. Yeah. I just need you to catch the ball, be able to run a little bit. That's the problem. It's, di- it's different back in the day when the Vikings were desperate for a top receiving option and they just kept taking shots because they had nobody. You know, who was it? Michael Jenkins, who had played for the Falcons. Yes. Devin Aromashadu, who had played for the Bears. <laughs> that they, sounds like a mistake. It was, but they were <laughs> desperate. They were desperate. So I get I get trying to uh, throw a Hail Mary pass and have those guys. But last year, all you needed was, we've got to make damn sure that guy, that Treadwell job, is a reliable player. And Don't need the dynamic training camp. Did not do that. They did not and do it, that this year. And you sat there in Egan and said, I don't believe what I'm seeing. And 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 Rick, who's in the middle of the field with his bleeping notebook. But I mean, they didn't do it this offseason. I know. We're in for the same thing. I just don't think he's going to play that much. Well, we're in for... Okay, so, so the guess here, I think you're right. I think the guess here now is Thielen, Diggs, Irv Smith Jr. is going to catch a bunch of passes. That's probably it. They... Hope that somebody emerges. That Chad Beebe is really good, which I wouldn't hold my breath. It was a nice story. I think he can catch the ball, though, don't you? Oh, he can catch it. I think he can catch the I ball. I don't think he could stay healthy. 
Okay. He's 25 years old, so he's not going to get any better. Right. But he's also about 180 or 90 pounds and five foot eight, and he's been injured his whole career. In college, he was injured. That's why he doesn't have any good stats. He was injured last year after playing one game. I, Fair th- enough. That's going to be really tough for him to stay healthy. These other guys, we'll see. My guess is that they want somebody to emerge. Dylan Mitchell. I like Ola B.C. Johnson, not just because of his name. I was going to say. <laughs> but, he, but he profiles as the route-running wizard and all that, but also a seventh-rounder. Um, speaking of the Vikings' late draft picks, by the way, coming up next on the show here on Purple Daily, Marcus Epps. Sixth round draft pick, and I have a bone to pick with Marcus Epps about his facial hair. We will discuss with the Viking sixth round draft pick when we come back here on Purple Daily. This is the all new Score North, Minnesota sports anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. Marcus Epps as well. Marcus Epps is a heck of a football player. My goodness, that guy was everywhere making plays left and right. He is a three-time captain. They rely on him not for just his playing ability, but his leadership. Welcome back into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here with you. Manny Hill as well. And joining us now from the Minnesota Vikings, sixth round draft pick, a safety out of Wyoming. It is Marcus Epps. Hi, Marcus. How are you? Good. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, doing really well. So I know you've probably gone over this a number of times since draft day, but take us back a little bit to the moment, to the phone call, to that day, and what it was like for you to get drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, it was it was a pretty long weekend, but you know, I I knew where I was at in terms of draft status. You know, I was I'm the from the sixth round to undrafted the whole time, so. You know, just sitting there watching. Um, I had my eye on the Vikings the whole time. It was where I wanted to go. And, you know, they had a, a couple of picks, you know, back-to-back um, in the sixth round. And then, you know, my phone rang, and it was just, you know, one of the happiest moments of my life. So, Marcus, when that sixth round comes around, what is the anxiety like? Were you there with, you know, your family and, and everybody gathered around the TV waiting to see if your name pops up? I and mean, what what is the tension like in the room when you know that you're going to be sixth, seventh, or possibly undrafted, and then that sixth round finally gets there? Yeah, it was, I was just there with family, and it was a little funny because I wasn't, I wasn't nervous or anxious the whole time until, you know, that sixth round started, then that's when I started to get, you know, a little nervous, like just wondering, okay, where am I going to go? And so... I'm just glad it all worked out the way it did. So, Marcus, you get drafted by the Vikings, and you I'm assuming you knew going in that, you know, Mike Zimmer, of course, is known as a defensive-minded head coach, and his specialty has always been known as being really good with defensive backs, with corners and safeties, and you being a safety yourself, you know, realizing that you were going to go to the Vikings and, and play under a, a head coach that really uh, is really special in terms of developing defensive backs, what was that like? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, just knowing that, just that's his special, uh, speciality and just the amount of defensive backs he's developed over his career. Um, you know, I think it's a perfect fit for me. You know, I love to learn, and that's, I just can't wait to get up there and start learning from him as well as, you know, Coach Gray and Coach Howard. Talking with Marcus Epps, a sixth-round draft pick out of Wyoming of the Minnesota Vikings. So, Marcus, you have a two-year-old son named Braxton. Now, I want to tell you that I can't even properly take care of my dog good enough. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I, I don't know how you go to college, are a team captain, 
and also raise a child at the same time. That's pretty impressive. So tell me about uh, the extra perspective that it gives you being a father and also playing football and just, I guess, what you've learned over the last couple of years of early fatherhood here for you. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing was just, you know, you can't, especially as a college guy, you're just mostly thinking about, you know, yourself. But, you know, once this happens, you can't really think about yourself anymore. You have to think of, you know, your son first. Um, so, you know, that was the biggest thing, just maturing and um, handling my responsibilities like a man. So, you know, I think that taught me a lot and just helped me mature a lot. What does it say about your your leadership skills as well? Because if, if I'm not mistaken, you were a three-year captain at Wyoming? Yes, sir. So how was, you know, what, what sort of leadership qualities do you bring to the table? And even as a as a young rookie going into to 2019, what sort of leadership ca- uh, qualities can you bring to the table for this team? Uh, you know, the biggest thing I think um, it was for me being elected captain that many times was my work ethic. Um, you know, I was just always the guy that was getting extra work in in the, in the film room, in the weight room, and on the field. So, you know, I think the guys saw that and, you know, I was just doing things the right way. So I was just really leading by example. And, you know, I think that's probably the biggest uh, quality or trait in terms of leadership that I can bring. So, Marcus, how do you carry that over right away? I mean, you come into a team with superstar players who have big contracts and Pro Bowls, and it's a bunch of guys who are established. And from my experience covering the Vikings over the last few years, that defensive room is really incredible. Maybe you noticed that Anthony Barr decided to take less money to come back. Daniil Hunter signed early to make sure he was on this team. So they have great leadership already, but you're that kind of guy too. So how do you, I guess, manage that dynamic or What's your approach coming in now with this team with so many great established defensive players? Yeah, you know, definitely the defense obviously has so many, you know, incredible players, with so much talent on there. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to do is just come in and learn from all of them. You know, obviously I'm going to just uh, come in and work like I just like I did in college, you know, always get extra work in and put the time in. But, you know, um, especially for my first year, I just want to be able to come in and learn from them because it's such a great group of guys that to learn from. Marcus, what would you say is the the thing you love the most playing the position that you play? I mean, you've, you're obviously a three-year captain at, at Wyoming, so you were a, a big part of that defense for, for a number of years, but what would what would you say is the, the thing you love the most about playing the safety position? Um, just being able to, you know, roam around and just do all types of different things, you know, you Blitz, play deep coverage, you know, fly around, get picks, run up, uh, run the alley and hit people. So, you know, there's just so many things you can do that are just so fun. And, you know, I think safety is the funnest position out there. Now, Marcus, I, I got a, maybe a, an odd question here for you, but I was looking at your page on the Wyoming football site. And can you tell me what was happening with your facial hair when the picture was taken? Like, this is my biggest concern. I've, I watched some highlights of you as a player. Looks good. All that's fine. Checks all the boxes. But then I went, oh, a little bit of a character concern here with the facial hair. You've got, like, a little bit going on in the chin. There's nothing with the stash area. You can't grow anything on the cheeks. What is happening? Have you fixed this issue, Marcus? Man, I just, you know, that that picture uh, from my senior year, I just got caught off guard. <laughs> I wasn't able to go get a haircut or anything like that. So, you know, I just had to go in there looking rough. But, 
you know, I'm definitely trying to fix uh, fix that one from my from my Vikings headshot. So, are you going to go with? Because there's another picture of you where you have that little line that goes between the lip and the center of the chin. Are you going with that? Are you going straight with nothing? Are you getting Are you getting to look slick to come in here? Like, how are you managing the situation? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my barber uh, today before I fly out to Minnesota tomorrow. <laughs> And make sure he gets me right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, uh, you're a California guy, Marcus, and um, you know you go to Wyoming, so I'm not concerned about you dealing with the cold, plus the Vikings play indoors. But was that an adjustment for you, going to Wyoming after being uh, from California? What was that like for you? Um, you know, it wasn't too hard for me. I wasn't really concerned with it. Um, you know, I didn't really have it. Mom was really my only opportunity coming out of high school. So, you know, I wasn't concerned with where or, you know, the culture change or anything like that. I just wanted to play ball. You know, that's what I love doing. So, you know, that's just that was my main focus. So basically when I got there, I just knew just put on extra clothing once uh, winter came. And, you know, that worked out pretty fine for me. How fun was Wyomania? Oh, it was awesome. You know, those fans, you know, they're incredible. They really love their football up there. So, um, you know, they don't have another – they don't have – another four-year university or a pro team. So, you know, they really put their all into uh, Wyoming athletics. All right, Marcus, before we let you go, tell me what you are looking forward to most moving to Minnesota. I know you've Googled it by now, right? But if you need a little help, there's a giant mall. Um, I live near the mall. It's really big, and there's a lot to do inside of the mall. So that's always a, a possibility for you. There's baseball. I don't know if you're a baseball guy, but the Minnesota Twins are here. What are you looking forward to most? Uh, honestly, I'm just looking forward to just getting up there with the team and starting. Oh, come on, Marcus. No, you don't have to do that. (laughs) Mike Zimmer's not Uh, listening. (laughs) Uh, seriously, I mean, I'm just, I'm just ready to, you know, get to work. This is a moment I've been waiting for my whole life and, you know, it's finally here. So I'm just ready to seize it. But Marcus, the mall is really, really big, man. It's massive. It's huge. There's an aquarium in there. Yeah, I know. And an amusement park. Marcus, there's an amusement park in the middle of the mall. Yeah, definitely going to have to check that mall out. Okay, there we go. All right, we sold sold the mall. You're welcome, Mall of America. All right, Uh, Marcus, great, great stuff. Looking forward to meeting you when you uh, come out here for Rookie Minicamp and beyond through training camp and everything else. So uh, thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.